Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to the Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hello and welcome to the Author's Corner. I'm your host, Robin Colucci, and today I am very pleased to present to you our guest, Orville Ray Wilson. Orville Ray is the co-author of six of the legendary guerrilla marketing book series, which has been translated into 63 languages and boasts more than 26 million books in print. For more than 40 years, Orville Ray has been traveling around the world helping people just like you and me learn to get the edge that we need to win in today's competitive market. He has spoken in more than 1,000 cities in 47 countries on every continent except Antarctica. In an international internet poll, he has been voted one of the world's top five sales and marketing speakers for a record five years straight. As an executive speech coach, He helps professionals discover, develop, and deliver their unique message to the world. And Orville Ray also happens to be a dear friend of mine. We met back in Colorado. Gosh, it's been a long, long time. I want to say over 10 years ago and developed a really great friendship. We've also had an opportunity to collaborate on a couple of different projects at various times. And so it is with great pleasure that I introduce him to you. And he, if, if there's one thing I can say about Orville Ray, it's that he is definitely a survivor and he has weathered many ups and downs in his own life, in, in, you know, the economy. And I invited him today because he had some terrific ideas to share for authors, and especially for speakers who may have experienced a dip in income over this past year when we were dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. I will tell you right now that the advice that he's offering in our conversation today is, in fact, timeless. So definitely this is one to make sure to take some good notes. I'm sure that there will be at least a few actionable tips for you in today's interview. So enjoy. Welcome to the Author's Corner, Orville Ray. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Robin. So great to have you. It's great to be had. I appreciate it. (laughs) Every time I think of you, I smile and cringe. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You're remembering that incident at the convention involving my pants. Is that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, stop. Okay. But, no, I made that up. That's not true. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. So, and, and, you know, I've really been looking forward to this talk today because when we were chatting the other day, just you know, doing a little reconnecting, you shared with me, we were talking about the pandemic and some of the people, things people have been experiencing. And, you know, you had a record year. We had a record year. You know, we, we've been very fortunate to have had really successful years. But what I was especially... Mm-hmm curious about is when you shared with me how many of your clients 
had had record years because as our listeners now know from hearing about you earlier, that you, right. know, you are a coach, you help people develop keynote speeches, you help them develop all kinds of speeches, you help them have stage presence, you help them give, give these outstanding talks. So before we get into all this success, Share with our listeners a little bit about like what what was going on in the industries. You've been a key member of the National Speakers Association for decades. So, you know, what what was going on in the because I and I know, you know, probably anybody who knows a speaker knows it was really rough in the speaking world, especially like uh, this time, you know, like last spring, especially mm -hmm. March, April you know, the, the last summer. What are some of the insights that you might have? come across, you know, directly or even in your own direct experience from that period initially? Well, yeah, this is the biggest collapse of the industry since, you know, the Great Recession, uh, you know, 2017 or so. That was the year I, as you know, I slid off of a roof, fell two and a half stories and had a spinal cord injury oh, that prompted a career change. You mean 2007? 2007, yeah, I'm off yeah, by yeah. So that time flies. So I went back to school and got a coaching certification and that together with my CSP. Since then, I've been not touring around the world speaking on guerrilla sales and marketing, but coaching other speakers and authors and people who want to do that or do that better. And as you said, I had a record year. The tipping point was we back in March of last year before the shutdown, I was planning a retreat here in Denver at a boutique hotel at the airport. And I had 10 seats at $2,500 each, and it sold out in two days. And then we started hearing the news about this, this thing coming out of China. I went back to the hotel and asked them for a uh, force majeure clause in the contract. They reluctantly agreed to that, and it was a good thing because, as you know, eventually we had to cancel it all. And when I sent the cancellation notice out to this group of, of clients who had registered, I they came back and said, well, this is, we were really looking forward to this. This was going to be all about marketing and we really need that now. And is there any way we could do this virtual? And I didn't know how to do virtual, but I, it forced me along with pretty much everyone else to adapt to this new environment. And so we set up a series of sessions on Zoom over a span of about eight weeks. About half of that group decided to continue as full fee one-on-one -on -one clients. And you know, all of a sudden I had a, a full practice and then some. And one of the examples was, uh, I'll call him Jeff because that's his name. <laughs> Jeff is an executive coach, was living in Glenwood Springs. He has an office in Aspen and his clients typically fly in, often in their own jets, <laughs> to meet with him twice a month. And he initially engaged me to write a book about this expedition he had been on. They climbed the tallest mountain in South America, Aconcagua. And it's, you know, one of the eight highest mountains in the world. He nearly died. It's quite a story. A movie was made about it. And so we were in the process of writing this book. And even today, I just spoke with him earlier. We're just finally getting to the final edits on this book four years later. But in the meantime, he has tripled his practice. He has bought a north of a million dollar house on the Roaring Fork River outside of Aspen, which is gold medal trout fishing water, something that was a lifetime dream of his. And the, he and his wife had two children. So he's, he's had a very busy and 
and very productive uh, quarantine. I guess, I guess that answers the question of why does it take four years to write a book? So, it, <laughs> when you well, you know, you over. taught me this. You said that the process of writing a book will double your business even yeah. before the book is published. You've yeah. said this many times, and it's so true because it forced Jeff to re-examine all of the things that he was unconsciously competent at. You know, it forced him to look at what is my process? What is my methodology? What problems do I really solve for my clients? How does that work? How can I make that work better? Having to quantify and articulate all of that in the book, you know, his practice transformed, the experience that his clients had was transformed, and simply by direct referral. He has done zero marketing. He has tripled his practice. Yeah. So hats off to you and your, and your marvelous book, How to Write a Book That Sells You, which I use as one of the many you know, biblical references here in, you know, in my go-to go -to library. And thank you for being such an incredible ambassador for my book. I have to tell oh, you, yeah. this is this is a little off topic, but I have a, a fellow in a master class that I do who is a member of NSA. And I mentioned that I was going to be doing this interview with you and that he would mm -hmm. probably find it of, of interest because he writes about selling. And I, of course, re reference mm -hmm. your book. And when he made the connection to your book, and then he then he got a mental a clear mental picture of you. He goes, actually, he goes, I think that's how I got your book. Because <laughs> I sent it to him, or I recommended yeah, it to him. You, were, you he saw you speak at his NSA chapter in New York in upstate New York. Oh, uh huh. Because I think that's how why I ended up getting your book. And I I said, well, I'm going to be sure to tell Orville Ray that because because he is well, yeah. Probably how most people who don't know me directly got my book is probably because you told them to buy it. So I, I thank you for that. Well, you've, you've heard an NSA, you know, write a book. You got to write a book. You know, authorship equals authority in this field. And that's more true today than ever. Two of my clients are actually lawyers who, and I know, first kill all the lawyers. One of them is a specialist in intellectual property law, a former patent and trademark office examiner in his mid sixties, the problem he came to me with, he said, you know, these, you know, I'm getting to that age where, you know, these young guys in the, in the firm, you know, want to push me around. And, you know, as long as I'm bringing in business, they'll let me do whatever I want. <laughs> and now, you know, with COVID, I can work from home. And so, you know, what should I do? And so he mentioned like a, you know, a, a, there was a skinny little reference thing, coil bound eight and a half by 11, that some lawyer had given him years ago, and he still had that in his files as a reference. Maybe we could do something like that. And I said, well, yeah, let's write a book that is going to be the kind of book that people are going to keep and refer to over time. Where do you get most of your clients? He says, well, most of my clients are referred to me by other attorneys who aren't specialists in intellectual property, you know, copyrights, trademarks, and patents and it's it can be very complicated it's very esoteric so so okay well let's write a book for lawyers who have clients who own businesses and give them what they need to know about intellectual property law enough so that they know it's hard and that but not enough that they can do it themselves right. and so <laughs> you become the go-to resource in the legal community nationally. Mm -hmm. That was about a year and a half ago. 
he very quickly became one of the top rated speakers on Vistage uh, after oh, doing wow. about 40 Vistage programs, keynoting with, with this book. He added more than a million dollars to his law practice, which is a bump of about 25% wow. uh, you know, in the first year after uh, writing. And it's not, you know, it's not the Encyclopedia Britannica. I was looking for a copy of it here and I can't put my hands on it. I probably loaned it to a client, but it's, you know, it's a skinny book. It's like 80 pages and it's probably seven by nine and a half. It's kind of an unusual format, Yeah. but it's, you know, a the business owner's guide to intellectual property law. And everyone watching this program right now should get it and read it because we all, as speakers and authors, we oh, all have intellectual right. property right. and it's all interconnected and it can get you into very expensive trouble. Uh, as I recently yes. found out when I couldn't produce the license for a cartoon that I had bought from the New Yorker years ago and used on my website. Don't get me started. I won't tell you that, that whole story, but the, but the outcome is that Bill is, you know, he's living in a second home in Florida. He hasn't worn a pair of long pants in six months and he's <laughs> making money hand over so, fist. So what is, is what I'm hearing you say is like for speakers whose careers have been disrupted by the pandemic, the, the thing to do is write a book. <laughs> well, or, or that would be a, that would be a very good use of their time. Terry, who is another attorney in Minneapolis, he, you know, wanted to grow his legal practice. And he particularly enjoys these cases where you have partners that are in conflict, right? So two guys get together, they form a business, they work together for 10 years, 20 years, they build it into an empire, and then one of them develops a drinking problem or starts cheating on his wife or gambling or whatever. For whatever reason, they things go south, as they often do in marriage and in business. And so he wanted to position himself as a specialist in this particular kind of case in the two states where he's licensed to practice law. And so he's just written a book called The Bulldog Guide to Business Divorce. And it's following your models, three sections, four chapters each section. Mm -hmm. And the first section is what to look for in a good partner. What are the you know yellow flags and red flags you should watch out for if you're, you know, to tell you if your partnership's in trouble. And then the third thing is, you know, how do you unravel a long-term business partnership and still walk away with the check and preserve your equity, you know, without losing, you know, your life's work. And he is already being invited by bar associations across the country mm. to come and, and speak on this topic. How, so, yeah. What's that looking like? Are these virtual presentations or are people now going to these locations again? Well, that brings me to the second point in answer to your question. Like everyone else, I had to take my retreat virtual, and a lot of my clients are doing the same thing. Don, who wrote a book called The Compassionate Geek, a 17-year member of the National Speakers Association. He's a CSP veteran in the industry, and his keynoting business, his training business, just flatlined. Yeah. So he did two things. One, he took and converted his book and his, his training program to an online course. And it was kind of bubbling along a little bit. He'd, get, he'd sell a, you know, a few hundred dollars worth each month. And we did a, a, several things. One is we started aggressively marketing the courseware. First, by going back to his, all the way back to the beginning of his business, his oldest database, and just merged everything together 
and told everybody, if you haven't heard already, I have a new book, and now it's available as an online course, you know, click here to enroll. And, you know, bang, all of a sudden he started getting enrollments. Wow. He also started getting inquiries from people who said, well, it's $195 a chair. What if we want to enroll 10 people or 50 people? Well, he hadn't thought about that. So now he had to come up with a multiple, you know, steep pricing package. And so he did that and his revenues doubled again. And then he, he was having a conversation with someone and the question came up, could you do like a kickoff, maybe a keynote or something that would introduce our team, you know, to the course? And so we talked about it and I said, well, you should do one better, do a graduation as well and offer that with the bundle for anybody that buys 50 seats or more. Oh, brilliant. Well, that just, you know, that just took off like a rocket. Not only does it, did his, his large group enrollments increase, but the completion rate for the people enrolled in the right. course skyrocketed. Oh, yeah. So, so now he's in a ceremony. Yeah. And a, was it like a commencement yeah. speech or is, was there a keynote and a, and a closing speech or was it just the... Well, he, he starts out, you know, at a particular time and date on Zoom mm -hmm. where everybody is, you know, gets a your attendance is required email. Mm -hmm. right? You've been enrolled this in this course, meet the instructor, right. date and time. Right. And so everybody shows up on Zoom and he talks for 20, 25 minutes, introduces himself, introduces the concept. What do we mean by compassionate geek? Why is customer service in IT such a problem? <laughs> You know, why has your boss enrolled you for this course? You know, <laughs> and uh, no, this isn't optional. This is probably going to be good for your career. And you can reach out to me with any questions or comments or whatever. Here's my email address. I'm here for you. And then at the end of eight weeks, the prescribed length of the course, they do another all hands meeting where he, you know, congratulates them and, and talks about the progress that they've made and and sends them back off into the world, a uh, printed certificate in hand. Say they must have the, the paper, right? Yeah. yeah, they put something on the wall. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we all want that thing hanging on the wall. And it's been a very successful formula for him. That's great. Uh, now he's in the process of using a tool called SEM Rush and doing a keyword analysis. And one of the things that SEM Rush can do is suggest topics for blogs that has increased the traffic to his website i was just looking at a note here from a conversation we just had so, but i can't see it. so s-e-m s-e-m-r-u-s-h dot com hmm, interesting this is a tool that our mutual friend heather lutzi taught me about and ah, it's the queen of seo yeah the queen of seo the queen of findability heather lutzi <laughs> google her she's brilliant and amazing yeah. and this this like takes the data from google search and lets you look under the hood and actually see the numbers and the words that people are actually looking for when they're looking for people like you mm. what a concept <laughs> you know? look, look at the data what does the data say we should be talking about so that's another thing that all of my clients have been doing. We all started by taking a, you know, stepping back up to the 50,000 foot view. Let's look at every touch point. Let's look at your website. Look at your LinkedIn profile. Look at your Facebook page. Are you using the same header graphics? Are you using the same photographs? One client had a picture of his dog on LinkedIn. 
it's a nice dog. Okay. But, but no, this is, they call it Facebook, not dog book. Okay. So, you know, put a professional portrait of yourself up there. You know, I mean, it was, so, but some of it was just dumb stuff like that. Like, let's get consistent with your messaging across all touch points. I had to make a list of 20 keywords, words that you would hope that they would use to describe them when talking about you. Robin Colucci is, she's amazing. She's really smart. She is a master grammarian. She is really friendly. She is generous to a fault. She will give you her time and her advice. Well, sometimes even if you don't ask for it. Uh, often. Often. <laughs> often. And so on. Often. So you get the idea. What words, what reputation would you like to have? <laughs> Let's build a shopping list of vocabulary that points to that reputation. Don't leave it to chance. And then let's replicate that across all of the touch points, all across your marketing. That was a big part of it. Because of course, everybody's now they're going to the internet. They're not going to meeting planners. They're not going to speakers bureaus. They're going to YouTube. So then that was the next step. Do you have, do you have demo material on YouTube? Do you have a channel? Do you have a video blog? You know, everything has become video based. So you, you can't just you know, sit down and crank out 200 words you know, every day like Seth Godin and have a popular blog, you've, you know, you've got to be, you've got to get comfortable in front of the camera. You've got to learn how to, at least some basic editing skills like, you know, iMovie or Camtasia and, you know, just like you do, or even use Zoom and record. Oh, that's what I do. I use Zoom a lot. Yeah. And it's just like Skype, except it works. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and so they started, you know, generating this ancillary content and linking it up across all of these different touch points. And the indirect ripple effect of that has been that they have created all kinds of different opportunities to expand their platform, to extend their expertise, and to reach new audiences. And would you say, is it changing again now that we have about half the country vaccinated it seems like people are on the move again. I'm I'm even booking travel again, which I haven't mm-hmm. because I canceled my trip to Italy in March. <laughs> Denise and I both got the second shot a couple of weeks ago and we started traveling again. We went to the grocery store. Ah, <laughs> let's let's give those folks at amazon fresh a little break okay (laughs) for 15 bucks an hour they work way too hard we can go get our own groceries now so let's go do so yeah life is returning to normal gradually and sort of Hmm. let me unpack both of those ideas separately it's returning gradually for example as you know i lead this batman like double life at night as a, as a jazz musician, I, I lead an 18-piece swinger of big band called the Flatirons Jazz Orchestra from behind the drum set. And we were booked for a big event last summer, the World War II Ball, which is about 4,000 people at the airport here in Boulder. That was canceled. There was a lot of talk about doing it again this year. And they set a date. And then they had to push the date back and then they canceled it all together. And now they've rebooked us again for next year. However, a nightclub that we perform for every month is opening their doors to swing dancing on June 6th. Oh, wow. And, you know, we've been invited to play that. What that's forced me to do is to impose a 
you know, vaccination required policy. There's no way that yeah. 18 of us can fit shoulder to shoulder on a stage and play trumpets through masks. You know, that's right. Yeah. Not <laughs> trombone, saxophone. This is a, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a sure. jazz band. It's a big band. Yeah. And so that's not going to, we actually had two people resign oh. rather than get the vaccine. Wow. So if you know any good piano players, let me know. <laughs> but <laughs> so, so, so there's that whole dynamic going on. So meeting planners are struggling. My wife is the events and marketing coordinator for the Colorado Native Plant Society. Mm-hmm. Every fall, they have a conference. This September, the conference is scheduled to be held in Trinidad at the community college there. They kind of move it around the state from year to year, to be fair to everybody. And uh, we've just visited the campus last weekend to get a look at the logistics and they still don't know whether, you know, that they have a capacity of 180 people, which is how many seats are in the theater or a hundred people, which is the current limit on a large event right. in dictated by the County or 86 people, which would be the capacity of the theater with everybody six feet apart, you know? And so everyone is kind of like trying to make decisions and, some people are scheduling things anyway and just hoping that the numbers continue to decline. Well, now I hear the same I, thing is I, happening to the speaking business now right, as well. Because I just heard NSA is doing their event in Vegas this summer. Right, but with a limit of 500 people. Ah, and that would be significantly less. What is the typical? I, I just I don't remember what the headcount was the last time. Typically, they get 1,500 people at a convention. That's, that's what, yeah. The original limit was 250. Oh, <laughs> well, that was. <laughs> and then, you know, and then the county changed the restrictions and they opened up a bunch of seats. So I think they had to change their. So there's a lot of confusion. Right. So what so, advice do you give people who are really who already had built a speaking career or or maybe even worse are trying to build one? You know, as we're in this period of such uncertainty, what do you think is the best route? Do you think it's it's some of these things we talked about or is there anything that you haven't said that? That they should be thinking about? Well, yeah, if I, if I were going to articulate a strategy for coming out of COVID, I would say start with number one, what's new? Have something new, even if you if it's not new. Take your content, retitle it, rebrand it, refresh it, rewrite it, re-release it. New is one of the 10 most persuasive words in marketing, according to Ogilvy and, and Mather. And then announce the new thing, whatever it is, to the world. Hey, I have this new book, keynote, breakout session, you know, half-day seminar, online, hybrid, you know, course, right? Announce the new thing. And not just to your A-list, but your B-list and your C-list and your friends and family plan list. Tell everybody about the new thing that you have because that's what planners are going to be looking for. It's not the same old, same old. And, you know, the book that you just released two years ago, it's not new anymore. So wrap everything in in new. The second thing I would suggest is uh, hybrid is, is the next keyword to remember. Follow Don's example and offer either live presentation or online virtual or hybrid mm-hmm. where there's some offline content and some online content. If you have any other courseware assets or YouTube channel assets or whatever, bundle them into your offering and include it in your fee. 
The third thing I, that's the third word I would recommend is fee. <laughs> that's always a good word. Well, can we use the F word in this interview? Uh, <laughs> fees. Yeah, because people generally don't, as soon as, you know, they start talking about fees. Well, usually I, it really kind of depends if I, you know, if it were local and I didn't have to get on a plane, then well then, but then that's less. My old program I used to, and then because of COVID, I was doing these online things and my fee for that was only, and blah, blah, you know, and you, you can hear the client on the other end. So I would say streamline and simplify your fees, not more than three numbers, maybe just one number. And the, the script to use is when they ask about fees, we start the conversation at, and I'll use myself as an example here. We start the conversation at $15,000 up to a full day breath inclusive. We start the conversation at, insert the biggest number you can say out loud without choking on it, up to a full day inclusive. Now let me unpack that. We start the conversation at, this is, this is not a fixed price. This is just the beginning of a conversation. And we haven't talked yet about your group, the length of your time, or, you know, any of those details, but they've opened with the fee question. And so we're gonna answer. We start the conversation at, but this is gonna be a negotiation and we've, we've flagged that already. $7,500 is about as low as I would suggest that you go and still have any kind of traction. If you're an author, you've written and published a book, yeah. if you're an authority in your space, yeah. that really is kind of the starting point. Anything less than that and you're too cheap to be good is the perception in the market. The top end of that model is around 15000 for a CSP, established speaker. You know, you've been at it 10 years maybe up to $25,000 if you're a, a celebrity speaker, somebody like, you know, Stephen Johnson, who was on, has his own program on PBS. So somewhere in that bracket. If you're a beginning speaker, just starting the keynote, I wouldn't quote anything less than 5000 again, because that's kind of what the industry expects. Mm -hmm. Up to a full day, but, 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 but wait a minute, Orville, we just, we just need you for the keynote. <laughs> well... I understand, Robin, but you know, I have to, I have to pack, I have to get on a plane, I have to fly there, I have to stay overnight, I have to get up in the morning at six o'clock, be there with the tech crew for sound check. I have to watch all of the other presentations so I can incorporate all of those notes, you know, into my presentation. And then I have to stay to the end and do the closing keynote. And you're probably going to want me to stay for dinner or stay for reception or at least have a Q and A session. You know, I have to be there all day anyway. So you might as well use me. Can I, can I do a, can I do a workshop for your board the night before? Can I do a, a breakout session in the middle of the day? I can promise you if I do the lunch and keynote followed by a breakout session, that session will be standing room only. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> and I go, oh, oh, well, yeah, actually we do have budget for, for a breakout session. Now, what about your expenses? You said inclusive. What's included? Everything. What do you mean everything? Well, the airfare is included, my hotel rooms included, meals in transit, my ground transportation, my Uber, my airport parking. You know, I hate keeping receipts and it's just, it's just too complicated. <laughs> it's not even worth keeping track of. So we just include it in the fees. Everybody gets a copy of my book. What? Your book is $25. Well, yeah, but you wouldn't send your kids to college and not give them the textbooks, would you? <laughs> of course the books are included. And they're not optional. They're not, it's, it's required. I want everybody in that room to have a, a copy of my book. It's part of the training. 
now they're doing the math and going, wow, 15, this guy's actually a bargain. And now they get to go and brag to their, to their board. So you load up the table like it's Christmas dinner and include everything. And then when they come back and say, well, you know, we really only have $10,000 to work with. Okay, we can almost always come up with some combination that will work for everyone. Right. Do you have a separate budget for travel? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a deal with the airline. Oh, okay, well, if you could cover my airfare and my trap, my regular travel expenses, just like you normally do, then yeah, we can agree to that. You know, whatever, or the or the breakout session for their board. Maybe you, you take that off the table. And so now, instead of it being a negotiation about your price, now it's a negotiation about what, what combination of services is going to serve them best. And now you are the number one. We have to hire this guy, speaker on their list of potential speakers. I just want, wow. So thank you, Ahore, for sharing that because this is the result I know of at least three decades, I'd say. How, how long have you been doing this? <laughs> I mean, you- I was one of the founding officers of the Colorado chapter in 1982. Right. And I had already been speaking for several years professionally. Exactly. <laughs> right. At that point, so yeah, I do the math. <laughs> I have a 40 year NSA pin, so. Exactly. I was going to guess 40, but I didn't, you know, just in case I was wrong. I Unlike you, all of my hair is turned gray. That's <laughs> <laughs> but that is gold. And I know that there's a lot more gold. So I know you have other programs. You, I've taken your workshop on speaking from the stage and there's, there's aspects of it. I still try to get myself to remember to do, and sometimes it works. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I just did one of those, the magic of storytelling. How do you use stories yeah. to sell from the oh, stage? We so just did good. one for so the Nevada chapter in Las Vegas. Yeah. About it, Cause it's so, so good. I mean, I, I loved it and I got so much out of it. Well, this is the, I had the, the wonderful good luck to be coached by a woman in Los Angeles, and again, I'm having a brain cramp. I'll remember her name in just a second. I just, just not on the tip. It's, yeah, you've had that happen. Yeah. And this is all the stuff that they would teach you in the actor's workshop. You know, if you, you went to New York or LA and invested $10,000, they would teach you about staging and blocking and voices and mime and, and how to move on stage and how to do, do characterizations and you know, all of that stuff that they never teach us in speaker school at NSA, but that professional actors have been using, you know, since Shakespeare's day. And when you start incorporating some of these elements into your, your speaking, it just, it, it brings a whole new dimension. Now, instead of just being a voice behind a microphone, you're a, a one person show and it makes your material more engaging, more funny, more memorable and more, much more valuable. So, you know, some of the rules are pretty simple, like act out the verbs. You know, if there's a verb in your, you know, like, well, well, we were walking down the street. Well, then if the verb is walk, well, then take two steps stage right, you know, as you're, uh, you know, as you're telling a story and so on. Uh, Lou Heckler taught me this technique. He said, he says, give every character in your story their own voice. And most people have trouble doing voices because they try too hard. If you're trying to do a, a Southern accent, for example, all you need is a hint. You just bend the vat just a little bit. And, you know, and now you've told the audience that this is a different voice. This is a different character in the story doing their part. 
And it's a whole day of just, you know, one idea after another, after like that little things that are really easy to incorporate into your work on stage that just gives it, a, just makes, brings it alive with dimension and color. Yeah. And it really, it's really a lot of, fun. I love to teach it. It's fun. I know. And it's fun to be in the class. Is this something you're teaching virtually now or, or what are you doing with it? No, I have, I used to offer it periodically here at my studio in Colorado. I have been, the last few years, I've been offering it to NSA chapters around the country. Oh. If you're an NSA chapter and you've seen this, reach out to me. We can talk. And I don't have dates on the calendar yet, but as we get into post-COVID, you can watch your email. You'll be invited to the next one that I do here in Colorado. Well, you know, and we have an NSA chapter here in Connecticut, and I happen to know the president. You do? Well, then. Yeah. She happens yeah. to be my neighbor and a really good friend of mine. Well, then president who's outgoing soon. So we better get you connected. Oh, you might be working on your new calendar if you're like, you know, most chapters and you just had your board meetings. Yeah. See, the, let them know. But that's OK. She's got pull with the incoming president. Obviously. Oh, I have had I have had a great run. I have uh, sold millions of books. I've traveled around the world, racked up millions of miles on multiple airlines, live in a spectacular place in the mountains, I raised two beautiful kids. And I owe all of that to the lessons that I've learned and the friends like you that I have made through NSA. And I'm at that stage of my career now where it's just my privilege to give back as much of that as possible in the time we have left. So, Now, speaking of giving, I was astounded to hear, not really, not really astounded, because speaking of generosity and speaking of giving. So I know that in the past, from the stage, what I've been on stage with you and heard you say this, I've been in the audience and heard you say this, that you'd offer this free hour consultation to anyone who asks for it. Is this something that is still uh, in Orville Ray's uh, box of gifts? Yes, that, that is not a spurious rumor. You have heard correctly. I'll give anyone an hour on Zoom just for asking. Just email me at Orville Ray at Gmail. It's O-R-V-E-L-R-A-Y two words, one name, like Billy Joe, Orville Ray at gmail.com. And I'll send you a link and you can get on my calendar. And let's get acquainted. I got to tell you, it will be, <laughs> I can't even begin to, because I mean, you are such a treasure trove. That's now, easy for you to say. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it should be. <laughs> People another guess that we're both professional speakers, would they? No more bourbon before interview. I'm just kidding. I didn't have any bourbon today. <laughs> Are you stopped? Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm getting. And when did you stop beating your wife? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're too naughty. I love it. I know. I, I've missed our giggle giggle sessions, which have been so so. <laughs> Well, I've always really enjoyed working with you, and I can say firsthand, having heard from clients that you've worked with, that the results that you produce are at least as apparently miraculous as some of the people I've worked with as well. I can recommend you without reservation, five stars, gold seal, all of the above. Expensive, but cheap at twice the price. So. <laughs> I, no, I, that was a bad choice of words. Compared sorry. to what? Compared to what? Cheap. I, I mean, you shouldn't call a woman cheap, even if she's a good friend. <laughs> Don't call a woman cheap. 
especially if she's had bourbon. So you're lucky. There we go. <laughs> All right, my dear. Well, listen, I can't believe how quickly this time has flown by. And thank you so much for sharing with our listeners about so much important information and valuable information that I hope, man, for those of you listening, if you take just one thing that Orville Ray shared today and implement it, my prediction is you'll see a massive return. So thank you again. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Robin. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.